Hey guys, welcome to season three, episode two of AA for Entrepreneurs here. We have some very special guests, Laurie Driscoll and Nancy Loud, gonna share a lot of knowledge with us today. We couldn't be more excited for this. Like even just in the in the pre-recording um, conversations, it was like, I got amped up and ready to go. This is gonna be, I'm gonna learn so much from this. Yeah, I literally like walked up here talking to Andy. I was like, I haven't had any conversations today. I don't know how I'm gonna do. And then we walked in and it was just like, the easiest people to talk to <laughs> in the world. How are you doing, ladies? Great, yeah, how about you? Great. We Just talk uh, all day. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should grab oh, this. so we should grab this? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the best the best <laughs> way that we've seen is to uh, pretty much whenever you're talking, kind of go like this and then just pass the mic whenever uh, yeah. it works out. Season well. three, oh, we we'll see a fourth mic during this season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll have to maybe revisit again next season. <laughs> yeah. So maybe even like a, one of those swing arm microphones cool. oh it's just That's so really handy. professional we've been talking about like trying to build a desk or something that we can just kind of have it built into it Good but idea. you know future plans <laughs> then you'll have a whole crew so that'll be like a, you know then you gotta you know you gotta get a van and uh -huh. then you gotta have a whole <laughs> yeah so production yeah so we uh we were just talking about how we have probably driven by seed where we are today in this wonderful conference room. I don't even know how many times. I've, I've wondered. What we do. What, yeah, you know, my brain is automatically, you know, being like a, a growing person is like, oh, it's the seed bank. Like we have a seed bank in town, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's what a lot of people do when they drive by. They don't realize what seed it, is. Yeah, and yeah. it seems like, you know, the business has so much value to so many small businesses. And now that I know more of what you do, looking at your website and talking with you, I'm so excited for people to let, to pick your brain a little bit, you know, through our camera. Yeah. Um, so for our audience, just give them a quick rundown of what it is SEED does. Sure. So SEED stands for Southeastern Economic Development. We are a certified development corporation and we're obviously right on Route 44 in Taunton. And we provide financing and technical assistance to small startup and existing businesses in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. So we don't compete with banks. We're here to step in and provide financing in situations where banks are unable to, hmm. or we partner with banks on projects. Typically, most, most often that would be for the purchase of commercial real estate if a business wants to buy its own home. Okay. So hmm. I've been here for almost 17 years. I'm a commercial loan officer and I work with the small businesses and we work in tandem with the Massachusetts Small Business Development Center with Nancy for any of our small business owners or people that are interested in starting businesses that need assistance, whether it's with business planning, preparation or projections, stuff like that. And Nancy? So take it away. Take it away. We don't think Sunny would share. I know. <laughs> um, so I work for the Mass Small Business Development Center network, and what that is is um, a network of people that are out in different offices all over the state, and in fact, we have counterparts all over the country. And our mission is to help people start and grow small businesses. Mm -hmm. So 
We're partly funded by the SBA, which is federal, partly funded by the state. And then I'm housed at, at UMass Amherst, but I work out of the Fall River office and I have colleagues who work uh, north of Boston, out in the Berkshires, which, wherever you are in Massachusetts, there's uh, a small business development center to help you. And we provide free confidential advice for people trying to start or grow businesses. And we have some clients we've worked for for years and others that just come in once or twice and go on their way. But since a lot of people want to borrow money, that's how we end up working with lenders like Lori. So we work together a lot, uh, referring people back and forth to each other. Um, so it seems like you, you kind of partner up where it's like, it's almost like an investor, right? It's like the investor is investing money into you, but they want you to be successful because they also, you know, want to make money and make sure you're successful so they don't lose money. So it's like you you help them get money and then you help them kind of be successful. That's kind of how you work in like a tandem. Well, I mean, we get measured, uh, my organization, by uh, new business starts and capital formation, okay. um, how many people are able to get started. Um, and. The other part of my job is I also do um, international trade promotions. Mm -hmm. So I work for the Mass Export Center. It's just a specialty center. So I have people who are mainly small manufacturers who are trying to sell their products internationally. Because if you're not selling internationally, you're missing out on a really big part of the world. So Absolutely. all kinds of products. Um, in fact, some of the companies in Massachusetts, they export more than, than they sell domestically. I so, that's it. Makes for an interesting day. No two are the same. That's yeah. for sure. So how how would somebody go about starting internationally or growing internationally? It's like, let's say there's a there's a business that is uh, making bagels, and then they just decide, okay, I actually want to ship across the sea. What would they? How would they start that? And maybe bagels isn't the best example. Well, I mean, <laughs> I actually, I, I, work, I work with a lot of food companies. And, and actually, food exports out of the U.S., it's not just grain and Iowa and soybeans. Mm. It's a lot of specialty foods. So um, I work with colleagues at the uh, Mass Department of Agricultural Resources and um, specialty food industry. And we might get them to... They'll probably have to uh, freeze, uh, so they'll have to work with uh, technology so that they can freeze and package for export. Mm. Then mostly what we try to do is help them find distributors or markets mm. or um, for some, you know, set up uh, good websites and then promote them so that they can then ship internationally. So it really varies by the customer completely. But the first thing you have to do, and this is true for any business, is you really have to take measure of your level of commitment. Mm. Like, how bad do you want it? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's true for business, too. Uh, you know, any small business. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a lot of times people say, oh, I've always wanted to run my own business. Mm. Um, I want to be an NBA star, but... Yeah, <laughs> right, right. But uh, some of it is like, oh, I, I want something that, uh, and I, I actually just had to do a little uh, presentation on sort of five myths of owning your own business. Mm. And one, the first myth is that, you know, you'll have more time uh, and, and <laughs> flexibility. And, yeah. yeah. And, well, you might have more flexibility between the hours. No, that's the thing. And, and I've had people come to me that um, one person um, who had bought um, one of the gym franchises and she came to me and she said, oh, you know, I wanted to be with my family more, but 
it's after work and on weekends and everyone wants to exercise and I don't want to be there. So like, you know, obviously, so then I helped her sell that, but that's someone who probably should have thought more about a business that yeah. fit their lifestyle, right? right? Yeah. A lot more than yeah, just... or, or something that they're actually passionate about, you know, like, because I feel like when, when you're so passionate about something, it makes it much easier to work. You know, like for Andy and I, when we're out in the hemp field in 95 degree weather with 100% humidity, not doing anything, just like tying plants and dripping sweat. We just love like the plant so much and what it can do that it's like, you know, we just push through it. We push through any like, oh, it's a little hot today, you know? Otherwise, it would be impossible yeah. to work through those kind of conditions knowing that you're not getting paid. Yeah. If that was corn, I don't think I would, you know, be so into it <laughs> for myself. Personally, I, I think it really, passion is really important, but I, I come at it from a very practical side, mm. you know, passion yeah, does not pay the bill. So yep. mm -hmm. I, I, I know that's probably come from like my parents growing up, right? It's <laughs> probably why I'm not an artist or a ballerina. <laughs> but you have to have passion plus a really good plan, you yeah. know? Yeah. And oh, uh, that's really where it comes down to. So I want to know, what are these other myths, the other four? Oh, boy, now I can't come up another with another one. Uh, well, one is um, that you won't have a boss. Mm. I want I want to have my own business because I want the boss. Well, your your customers are your, your bosses, boss. yeah. right? Um, mm -hmm. That's a very big one. Yeah, you um, work for everybody in your company, I all your customers. Yeah, yeah, that I won't have a boss. Um, that I let's see, I already did the one about having more flexibility, more free time. Um, <laughs> that was uh, funny to me. Other yeah. myths are you don't need a plan. It's all up here. <laughs> and this is something that Laurie can really speak to on the the planning part because this is really what where kind of the rubber meets the road for Alinda. So talk talk a little bit about why you need a plan. Right. So, give me that. Yeah. <laughs> so most oftentimes when we get approached by somebody that's interested in starting a business because they know that they need money in order to get it done, they don't realize that you need to have a business plan because that's mm -hmm. one of the things that we go by when we're looking at a loan application package is you have to have a plan. Yep. Um, a business plan is like going on a trip in your car so you're taking a journey right but you really if you don't know where you're going you need to have a map yep. so yeah. the business plan format really is putting that map in place and getting it down on paper yep. but you know how when you're driving in a car and if there's a detour you have to go in a different direction yep. so yeah. your business plan and i think this is something that you would agree with is yeah. that we kind of look at a business plan as a living breathing document because mm -hmm. it's something that you always need to change yeah. so when you're starting your business you might think that things are going to go a certain way <laughs> but then once you start the business and you pull your business plan out a couple of months later and you read it and you say oh my god i didn't do this or why didn't i do it it's good to figure out why you didn't do the things that you thought you were going to do mm -hmm. but it's good to identify the things that you did that you shouldn't have done, yep. but the things that you didn't think you were gonna do that ended up being successful. So I always recommend that somebody, a business owner, take their business plan out no matter how long they've been in business and mm. just always, it's it evolves. So always look at it and always change it because your business is always gonna change and it's gonna grow over time. Oh, so that biz, that's why that business plan is really key. I mean, obviously in the beginning when somebody needs money, 
that kind of sets the tone yeah. as to whether we have faith that this individual can actually accomplish what they want to. Do they have experience in their industry? Mm. And Nancy will also agree with this, is that we get approached by a lot of business owners who don't have experience in the business that they want to start. Right. And a lot of times I think that happens most often in restaurants, oh. in, the food, <laughs> in the food service industry. So just because somebody was a bartender or a host or a hostess, or maybe they were a fry off. cook, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or maybe they were a fry cook when they were in college, whatever the situation is, it's, I think people look at restaurants as being a glamorous I don't industry. know why. I, I, do, I do not know why people glamorize restaurants. I think it's some of the, first off, it is one of the hardest businesses oh, yeah. to, to get highest, all the money. Highest failure rate. Highest failure rate, and it's really hard work. I think if it's done well, everyone enjoys it. And so I think sometimes people see themselves out front, you know, as the host or hostess taking you yeah. to your table and then coming around with a glass of wine. Enjoy. Not in the back room yeah. where, by the way, um, you nobody know, showed up for work. Mom, nobody <laughs> showed up for work. Somebody's stealing stuff out the back. All of these things happen. Um, and a lot of times people who are just really good home cooks, people say, oh, you should open a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Actually, uh, uh, being a, a really good home cook is is not even the skill set that's most important. Right. Um, and like, for example, when we do a business plan, you'll say, okay, well, I have a 20-seat restaurant, let's just for example, and they'll do a projection that from day one, the day they open the door, every seat is filled for, th for three turns, you know, you're like, no, it doesn't happen that way, you know. <laughs> uh, especially for small independents. It might yep. be one thing if you're, you know, a large, really well-known company that has a hundred million ad campaign. But if you're, you know, uh, Vito's Italian Kitchen or something, I'm just making that up, um, uh, it takes a while to build. And mm -hmm. there's where the cash flow situation comes in. And, you know, nobody likes to plan. It's sort of like, oh, doing your taxes or eat your vegetables or get more exercise. <laughs> like it's all this stuff you, you've been told you don't really want to do. Study. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I had a, a person who bought a restaurant with her last, and she didn't come and see me for the planning. Um, was, you know, she scraped together her last dollar to buy this restaurant. And then the very first week, the um, dishwasher broke. And she couldn't afford to fix it or replace it. No working capital. At, no working yeah. capital. And if you don't have a dishwasher, you're you're not in business. Mm. You know, you become like, the dishwasher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, it, you can't even because you have to have um, dishes washed in a hot hot uh. hot water, so you wouldn't meet the standard, right? Mm. So I guess you'd have to go to all paper and plastic or whatever. So mm. that's again, you know, one of those worst case scenarios. Um, we like talking happier stories. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so switching back to, to happier, what are some good things that make a, a great business plan that you would look at it and be like, okay, they're onto something, like we could work with them? Um, I think that obviously the person that's putting the plan together and wants to start the business has to have experience, mm. a lot of experience in the industry. Um, they need to have reasonable expectations they need to know who their competition is. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of that is not just knowing who their competition is, but knowing how they operate and how it is that they can differentiate from them and mm -hmm. be better than they are. Um, 
it's not a bad thing to talk to somebody who's in the same industry as you if they're not a direct competitor, meaning like if, they're, if there's somebody that's not located in the same town yeah. to go and talk to them. Because business owners, I find, yeah. can be an open book and they don't mind sharing information. Yep. So going and talking to somebody and saying, hey, what happened in your business that you know you didn't expect and did what things went wrong and how did you... How did you work with them? Because any any way that somebody can kind of counteract and foresee the issues that they're going to have in advance, I think that's a huge thing. Um, Nancy was talking about projections, and I think that that's a big deal, too, because most oftentimes people way over project what it is that they are going to uh, generate in sales and more often, too, what their bottom line is going to be and we use when we're working with people we use um it's a book it's the uh, rma book the risk management association book and it has all industry average information mm -hmm. so when somebody puts projections together we can go and look um i'll just use i sent one yesterday to somebody that wanted to open up an ice cream shop mm -hmm. so that's considered to be a like a snack and a and a non-alcoholic beverage category. So when you look at that, as far as what the bottom line net profit is, because usually people will pull their projections together and they're gonna anticipate that their bottom line net income might be 30% of, of what their sales are. But then when you look at industry average, that's all banks pull this information together and, and it's from existing businesses from all over that submit their financials. So the information that you're looking at is pretty legitimate as far as being accurate is concerned. Mm. So when I looked at the information, it showed that an ice cream shop, their bottom line is typically 5% of what their sales are. Oh. And if somebody is projecting that their bottom line is going to be 30%, it's like, oh boy, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. need to work. We need to work on your projections. So that and then how, happens quite a bit. You, how important do you think like the market research is? Because that's that was one thing that kind of blew our mind is, is looking into our market like, wow, we are way off. Like it's going to be a little bit more lucrative than we thought. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, I, um, I used to teach market research, so uh, I, I, I could go on at too much length on this. But I can tell you that when you do... Um, Business plan. The market research is probably one of the most important parts, and so most people are the their market research is too basic. Mm -hmm. They just do real like thirty five thousand feet numbers, yep. not local research. You know, because mm -hmm. a lot of most businesses that you're dealing with are local, so you need to look at local research. And when somebody tells me. I don't have any competition, <laughs> then I know that they're not really looking um, because even if you don't have a direct competitor, you have lots of alternatives. Oh, yeah. So um, really good market research and Larry was saying about what makes you different, right? You know, so you have to have points of differentiation, um, something that you, you know, are going to do right. That's going to, because the, I, even though I love the movie, if you build it, they do not necessarily <laughs> come. That's true. And, I mean, and so you could have everything be right, but if you're in the wrong location with no parking, yeah. forget it. So it's kind of like if someone were to build a dog grooming spot in a town with no dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Laurie and I have a couple of different, uh, a couple of different uh, dog businesses because 
Um, actually, the pet industry is one of, is one of the few, few recession-proof businesses. Even during the Great Recession of 2008, um, dog and pet businesses still were growing because mm. people consider pets... They are members of the family. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. They treat them better than they treat themselves. Oh, well, <laughs> yes. Yes, and my dog is the king of the castle. There's no <laughs> question about it. So, um, yeah, but so there's plenty of competition, of course. So you have to compete on different points, and uh, often location becomes important, you know, and on and on. But, oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we certainly have quite a few um, of uh, people who want to do those businesses, Um uh, and can do them really well if they've got a good location and a good plan. And um, but actually, one of the things that you mentioned this one, right now, people one of the tru- most troublesome things for people is finding good help. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. week, yeah. every week, I have people telling me they cannot find help. Um, the economy is good right now too, oh, so I think that, that obviously right now, that so. obviously has a lot yes, to do with it. Yes, and let's on wood that it yeah. continues, but right. it's probably um, not gone. <laughs> no, business cycles would tell you yep. that. No, I mean nothing lasts forever, but um, there's a number of things. Um, uh, I mean, we're we're not turning out um, uh, the kinds of um, workers in some spaces that are the most in demand, um, and right now everybody's working. Mm-hmm. Um, who can, who wants to work? Let's put it that way. So, but finding good help and good workers is really challenging right now. Mm-hmm. So, when a business owner comes to you and says they're having trouble finding employees, what do you tell them? What's the best way to find good help? Well, the first thing is to try to hold on to the people you have, and mm-hmm. that right. is going to be um, by having a good uh, employee practices and culture. I mean, obviously, if you pay more than your competitors, you're going to get more people. Right. Um, but it's in addition to that, um, the incentive to feel people feel that you've invested in them, that you want to keep them, that you want to keep them. It doesn't mean that they walk all over you. In fact, I always tell people when they're starting to develop a good employee handbook. Yeah. So it lays down what's to be expected. What's mm-hmm. what? Because I think even though people say they don't like rules, they like to know what to expect. The other thing is, honestly, you have to always be recruiting. Always. Yeah. You have to have trunk lines out in all different directions. Um, and you have to start developing people. Particularly some, some you have to you start with young people um, and then... Entry level and, and train them and let them grow. And almost have your own... Right. Yeah. On us, like... Um, um, like almost like in the trades where they have yeah. journeymen and things yeah. like that, you know, because not every kid wants to go to college. And so some of the, uh, you know, trades and prof- those people are really having a hard time sometimes. They have so much business, they can't even answer the phone. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's crazy. We, we were uh, talking about um, how you can go to college and end up with eighty to hundred thousand dollars in debt, mm-hmm. but where are the programs that are designed for the eighteen-year-old that wants to come out of high school and start their own business instead? Like, right. I knew college wasn't for me, but I still went to three different colleges and dropped out of all of them. You know, like wasted money and put myself in debt. Yeah. So, um, what what do you suggest for like young entrepreneurs that do know, you know, in high school that they want to be an entrepreneur, a business owner? What, what steps should they take to, you know, get funding to build their business and to, you know, kind of be on a successful path? Yeah, I think it would be great if high schools would offer 
entrepreneurship mm -hmm. classes. Um, SEED actually teaches a business plan preparation and business ownership workshop on a monthly basis. They're oh, free wow. of charge. You guys should come. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, they're bank sponsored. Can we uh, record it? Um, they probably would allow that. Hmm. I think that would be like so bad. That would be fantastic. Yeah. So it's a day long session, bank sponsored. They're held throughout southeastern Massachusetts, Cape Islands, Rhode Island. Um, and it revolves around our handy dandy business plan booklet. Ah. This booklet is available on our website. Uh, you it's can download to, it. Yeah, it's Which a great is, plan. What's your website? It's www.seedcorp.com. So the day-long session, you get breakfast and lunch at no charge. Hmm. So it revolves around our business plan booklet, and the morning session covers all of the general information for somebody that's going to start a business, providing background information about, about the entrepreneur, the hmm. industry that you want to go into, uh, how you plan to market, how you're going to structure the business. It covers competition, any of the general information. Yeah. But what's great about that booklet is it's all question and answer format. So it kind of creates the domino effect. It's like, okay, this by answering this way, it triggers the next question. And it just, mm. I think it helps people instead of doing a big, long, drawn out narrative. I think that it helps people to just have short, concise questions where you can answer in two to three sentences. Yep. And it essentially, by the time it's done, it actually provides an awesome narrative and enough background for anybody that's looking at it to have a good idea of, excuse me, whether that person is going to not necessarily succeed because you can never predict whether right. that's going to happen, but whether they actually have, if they have what we think it'll take to get a firm footing and, and launch their business. So we have that workshop. We actually, what's interesting is I used to teach that years ago, and we had a session that we would do every year on Martha's Vineyard. And Martha's Vineyard High School would bring their high school students to the class that would be interested, any of the kids that were interested uh -huh. in starting businesses. And even when they didn't bring a group of kids, they would allow anybody that was interested to go to the session to take a day off from school because, wow. and on the vineyard, you see that that happens a lot, whether it was a young girl who had a jewelry making business or a kid that was starting, had a landscaping business since the time that he was a freshman in high school. And I mean, he was serious about it. He yeah. kept track of his, the money that he was making, the money that he had to spend. Yeah. Um, obviously it's difficult for a kid to be able to get a loan and that's yeah. where friends, family, Fools. So, <laughs> so to play. <laughs> other than having like a really sound business plan, are there any other uh, tips um, a startup could kind of use to better their chances of getting a loan? A loan. Yeah. Um, you have to make sure that you have some of your own money to put in because you can't getting 100 percent financing really is not. It's not something that would happen. Mm -hmm. So you have to have some skin in the game because it shows that you're serious about what it is you're doing and you understand that you have to take some responsibility. Um, is there a percentage? A percentage of how much you should have? For us, when we look at a startup business, because again, we don't compete with banks. So yeah. we somebody always has to, if they're looking for more than $20,000, that's kind of our guideline. If they need more than $20,000, they need to go to a bank first because we don't compete with them. So yeah. if a bank says no, which 
in many situations they would because a lot of banks won't finance startup businesses, but hopefully they know who we are and they would refer over to us. So um, when, some, when a startup business comes to us, we like to see that somebody has 25% of their own money to put in. What if they've already like put it in? As long as they have documentation showing whether it's that they've bought equipment ahead of time or um, money that they've put in, invested for maybe if they've worked with an attorney or an accountant just to get their business structured, stuff like that. We can take any of that into, into consideration. Hmm. And then I would also recommend anybody that's applying for financing to make sure that they have a handle on their credit. To check their credit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to make sure that... Um, because so many times when we run credit reports and we'll say to somebody, listen, you've got these entries on here, these negative entries, what are they? And they will say, oh, well, that's not true or that's something that I already straightened up, but it's not taken off the report. So we always recommend that somebody check their credit in advance. Um, I think it's good for anyone um, if somebody's married, it's always a good thing yeah. because there's a secondary source of repayment because mm -hmm. this business, we're, we're looking at it on a projection basis, obviously, Absolutely. but how is that person going to pay their rent or their mortgage or their car payments or their credit card payments? So having that secondary source of income is critical as well. Um, and then you have to be prepared because any lender is going to look for collateral. Yep. So you have to have something. I mean, obviously, if somebody's buying equipment, then that can be used as collateral. But it's depreciated significantly mm -hmm. when it's considered in a collateral situation. So um, if somebody has real estate, they have to be prepared to pledge it. If somebody owns a home. I mean, obviously, if they're buying a commercial building, then that's the collateral. But if you're leasing a storefront down the street, then if you have a house, then you have to be prepared to pledge it. So what would, you, what would you say to somebody that has bad personal credit but wants to try to build up business credit? Well, the only thing that we can go by when they're applying for a loan is what their personal credit is. So I would just recommend, I mean, there are times when I've had an applicant come and we've had to decline them based on credit, but I, we always tell them, just go and work on improving your personal credit. Uh, fix, clean up anything that's there that's negative. Um, if you've got charge-off accounts, take maybe pay those balances off um, and then come back. It's a number of nonprofit credit reparation place. Yeah, that you I don't can go too to. much about There's them. the one in Plainville. Yeah. No, the one in Plainville that you guys it's, have. Uh, I hear very good things about them. Don't go to the ones that charge you money or yeah. anything like that. But mainly pay your bills on time, yeah. make deals for the people that are chasing you for money. Fixing your credit is probably the first and most important thing um, because we, we run, a, it's an easy way to remember, five C's of lending, mm -hmm. right? The first C is credit score. And what lenders want to see is something that starts with a seven, really. You say 650 maybe, but... They really like to see a seven. Most a of the time. bank lender does. Yeah. I mean, we would too. Yeah. But we can. We. Have, I said like to see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have more flexibility than right. banks because we can look at lower credit scores. Right. But you know, in general. So when somebody says, "Oh, well, I went bankruptcy and last year," and so, so the first thing you see is credit, um, and the second is well, this is in no particular order is collateral, and that's the idea that you have to have skin in the game and a certain a percentage and. Sometimes it can be 20% that you expect. And um, this is um, also when 
Um, all right, so the third C, and this is the one that really can uh, be a problem is cash flow. Mm -hmm. They have to be able to figure out what the cash flow is. And that's, you know, because you need to be able, uh, I had a guy who had a, um, a painting business. He had, a paint, he had to pay his guys every week, but his commercial um, customers only paid him every month. Uh. Built-in cash flow problem, right? So cash flow, that's, and that's a really big one. And the fourth is economic conditions. Like we're talking about the economy being so good now. Um, that's positive, um, but that's not always the case. And the last one is capability. Have you done, run a business before? Do you uh, not just, um, you know, I'm an accountant and I'm retired and now I, I want to, you know, run a restaurant. Although, you know, an accountant, at least you know numbers. It's usually <laughs> something complete. But, you know, that is, so that's kind of like a little overview. Um, and obviously there's all kinds of um, exceptions to rules. Right. and. And people will try to work with you the best we can. But one thing I'll say is no one will finance a big salary for you. People come in no. sometimes and maybe they've been laid off of a job or they have retired. And what they want to do is start a business and pay themselves what they used to just get paid. Mm -hmm. And they want the essentially a lender to, to do that. And that does not happen. No, they will can't. never finance 100% of your dream. Yeah, usually you can't borrow money to pay yourself, but yeah. you can borrow money to pay other people, yeah. Yeah. which is which is why a secondary source of repayment is important. But I think, and as far as projections go too, because I was working with a guy one time who um, worked in a deli at a grocery store, mm -hmm. and he wanted to start his own sandwich shop. And he had property that was on a very busy road, so he was going to build, or he actually did build, a small building where people could come in and get sandwiches and and um, prepared foods so that people on the way home could stop and get prepared food so that they didn't have to cook. It was, I mean, he had a really good, uh, really good concept. But what was funny is he was somebody that really took seriously what we talked to him about as far as his projections were concerned because he way over projected what he could make for income mm -hmm. and what i explained to him is that we have to when people do that we have to sensitize projections and cut it back to um, more reasonable levels and i explained that to him and and he understood but what was great about him is that he didn't do anything on the computer he actually had a notebook hmm. and he recorded every sale that he made, whether it was a sandwich and a chip or a sandwich and a drink, all the way through six months, six months into him being in business, he came in with his notebook because he always came in to make his payment. He came in with his notebook and, and we sat down in this room and he opened it up and he said, see, I just want to show you my numbers. He said, because I am almost halfway to where you thought I may be able to get. So he, after talking and learning, and once mm -hmm. he got into the business, because it was so much different running his own place than it was working at the grocery store deli, yeah. he said, I'm learning so much. He said, but I completely understand now because even though he lived on a busy road and there were all kinds of people driving by every day, that didn't mean everybody was going to stop in and buy a sandwich. Right. Most people just kind of drive by. 
Nice. Well, it, yeah, because it takes a while for people to realize that he's there. Branding. And then, exactly. again, yeah, yeah, he's an independent. Yep. Yeah. Right? And you're going to drive by 10 other places that are, you know, uh, franchises or something that have million, multi-million yep. dollar right. oh, yeah. um, budgets. I mean, why Probably are... Subway next door. Right. Yeah, right. No. yeah, exactly. People stand in line outside of Olive Garden, not to beat on Olive Garden, but, you know... I don't think it's very good. (laughs) And then a a, a homemade Italian restaurant down the street could be empty. Partly, they don't have the budget to advertise. The coupons they blow into the Sunday paper, all of that other kind of stuff. A lot of that boils down to not changing with the times, not using social media to your advantage. A lot of people, like you're saying, they don't want to use a computer, but nope. eh, well, suck it up. You kind of got to in yeah, this right. day and age. Yeah. Like yeah. you need to use, like, you need to use social media. Like if you're gonna do advertising, Absolutely it's the true. cheapest way to do advertising, it's even the cheaper best way. and the best way yeah. too. Well, you have to be where your customers are, yep. and if they're Other looking up, uh, where are we gonna go? Um, you know, they're they're looking at their phones and you better come up on whatever platform it is they're checking. Yep. Right. Um, Who's watching TV commercials? <laughs> well, more than you would think. Cause what, what do you do during a TV commercial? Well, no, mostly I, 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 I go I to the bathroom. Yeah. I, no, I, <laughs> I, I lift up my phone. Oh, let's see what type yeah. of I, got. I, I tape anything I want to watch so I can fast forward. Exactly. <laughs> but still, Some of them have gotten tricky. They make you watch the commercial in order to watch the on-demand. Yeah, it's like. so true. I mean, all, this is all the ways they're doing it to yep. try to get you to get their commercials. This is why sports and things like the Super Bowl mm-hmm. are still so the biggest advertising days of the year because people want to watch them without time shifting. Yeah. But you know, Super Bowl is like the one exception to like TV. Yeah, like yeah. no, it's yeah. true. Um, but you know, for certain demographics, TV still really works. But yeah. if for a, a lot of sort of millennials, Gen Z, things like mm-hmm. that, they're not even watching a television set. They're on their computer watching yep. whatever right. the show is, yep. or their phone. Yeah, which I always think is interesting. Everything had to get so bigger, small. bigger, bigger screens, <laughs> right? I have a 52-inch TV or whatever, and people are watching them on a tiny phone. Like, you know, what's up with that, right? It's yeah. like goes, it went in the opposite direction. A lot of times people, what they're doing now is they're getting uh, smart TV adapters so you, they can kind of transform their TV at home into the phone and kind of control it right with their phone. Oh, yeah. So with, a, with just a little bit of, um, like, being tech savvy, oh, yeah. you can just kind of open things up and use use your phone like a a controller, yep. a clicker, as I used to yep. used to call it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. content is still king, right? You still have to uh, get behind those passwords to get onto Netflix or HBO if you want to watch, you know, Game of Thrones when that was on. Mm-hmm. So it's well, content drives a lot stream, of that. Content and streaming wars is about to get. Really real. That's like for Disney's sure. Disney's hopping in the game yeah, now, yeah, and they're definitely. buying up a bunch of a bunch of content. And oh my God, that's a whole different. That's a whole podcast yeah. we can talk about. Yeah, that. no, that's, that's so an crazy. interesting one. Aggregation now, disaggregation. Yeah, yeah. it's so crazy. So, so with the um, entrepreneurs that come in and talk to you all, is there a, t- a typical quality or trait that they have that you can say, oh, this the, this team is going to be successful. This person's going to I think this person has it just by maybe the way they carry themselves or their planning. Is there anything that comes to mind? The first thing that comes to my mind is somebody who has control of 
their finances to start with. Mm -hmm. They're not in a complete disaster situation. Expecting that's, that their small business is going to get them out of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's their way out. And, and they're not coming in and asking me for grants. There are no grants to start a new business. There just is not. So Unless you're a nonprofit. Uh, well, but I don't deal with nonprofits yeah, as part of us. So that's, that's not even in my wheelhouse. Yeah. But... Um, I think certain people have it together right from the start. You, they come in, um, they've got their act together uh, financially. It doesn't mean they're rich. It's just that they have, they pay their bills, they know what they're doing. They're realistic. They know it's going to be hard. They're willing to commit. They have the passion, but they're backing the passion with the knowledge of it's going to be hard work. And they have some experience in the thing that they want to do. For me, from a financing perspective, I think that experience is probably key. It's really difficult to start a business or, or have somebody hop on your bandwagon and provide financial backing for it unless you have experience in what it is that you're going to do. And that happens. Unfortunately, it happens a lot. It happened more, I think, back in 2008 between 2008 and 2012 because so many people were losing their jobs. Yeah. So they were, mm -hmm. they were desperate to find a way to earn income. And yeah. unfortunately, it's like you're the last person to get paid. You wear every hat there is. Yes. You can be on for, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can be on 24 seven and you don't necessarily get paid right away. Yeah. And that's a shock when you're used to getting a paycheck every two weeks or something. Mm -hmm. I also think that someone who's come out of corporate life it's a very big transition to not having a paycheck hit your bank account. And the fact is you do get paid less, you pay everybody else first. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to be used to it. So someone who's come from a background where they've always had to sort of pay their own way. Mm -hmm. And that to me is also uh, a very good quality. Yeah, I can definitely speak to that because I kind of came from sales like AT&T, T-Mobile and trying to switch into something where like it was like, never having to worry about anything to like, all right, uh -oh. it's grind time now. You know, yeah. like, I'm not going to get paid unless I make myself get paid. And it, it definitely is a completely different transition. It's a totally different mindset. Especially with farming, because we have to wait till harvest season. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's like, a benefit. no matter what we do, it's like, the cash flow is growing. <laughs> yeah. We can't have cash flow. So like, but you know, there's a seasonality to every business. Yep, exactly. And a lot of people don't think that. They're like, oh, no, I'm going to be open year-round. But yep. there is a seasonality to every business. And that's why, you know, if you have no experience in that, you know, oh, well, you know, in February... Um, like, you know, we have hair salons or something. Well, mm. you know, this month is super busy. Everyone's getting uh, services for the holidays. And then it's, uh, you know, slow and everyone's bought gift certificates. And then it, you know, there yeah, is a seasonality, mm -hmm. doesn't Especially it? with purchasing. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. January, February come around and people, they, they cinch their pockets a little tighter. Exactly. Like, oh, it's the holidays. Oh, I don't know yeah. if I'm going to go out to dinner. If I'm going to go buy this extra thing. Right. Yeah. That happens a lot with Kate-based businesses, too. Yep. Yeah. Is that, oh, yeah. And one of the mistakes that I find that uh, Kate-based business owners will make is that they think that they're going to do so well during the high season that it's going to carry them through. Mm. But if they don't handle their finances properly during their high season, then it can turn around to bite them because they can't carry, yeah. whether it's the store. I mean, that's just the way that it is. Yeah. I mean, some areas of the Cape are more seasonal obviously than others, but I mean, anything it, over the bridge is pretty much like you're 
summer phase. Yeah, and the lower Cape too, I think, tends to be more seasonal than yeah, what like the Plymouth upper. And stuff like that. Than what yeah, the, well, like totally. P Town yeah. is has more seasonality than yeah. say um, born uh, or so whatever. Yeah. Grow, yeah, yeah, and I mean then it goes back to too, who's your target market? Yep. I mean, if you're specifically only targeting. Uh, tourists, then you've got to figure out how you're going to make it, how you're going to make the money last throughout your low season. But if you're catering either that or maybe you are going to highly cater to tourists, but mm. you want to be able to figure out how you're going to be able to keep the locals too, right. mm -hmm. then um, there's Important. something to be said for, for that as far as the customer base is concerned. Yeah. So earlier, you, you'd mentioned uh, the economy like in 2008, you know, the, the Lehman's collapse. Does that, do any businesses really stand out to you that made it through without a problem? Do you have any tips for people who might prepare for a downturn? Well, well the pet industry. <laughs> yeah, the pet industry did, did well. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see any of them. I didn't see no, any of those go no, under. Um, a lot of retail did not survive. Oh, yeah. A lot of restaurants it's did not survive. Retail. Well, retail is, is it's in a completely changed um, environment now with everyone, you know, yeah, Amazon yeah, shopping, like this, yeah. retail like this. But so now you have to have something different and extra. Yep. You have to have service or something. I I, I actually think, you know, uh, it's, you know, being able to um, have a good store of cash for the lean times is mm -hmm. a very and the the ability to scale up and down, depending um, on on the amount of business. A lot of times you had to cut back. They had to let people mm. go. Um, they had to scale back their own salary. Or, or so the uh, the ones that made it through yeah. were flexible and had stores. You know of mm -hmm. uh, with that um, you know that old parable about. Um, Keeping you know the the, the wheat for the, you know when the, the I'm mangling the yeah. story, but there's one of those Aesop's fables about you know not uh, not uh, you know spending all your resources mm -hmm. when it's you know good weather, but saving yep. for it's when it's bad. That's a big part of it. Yeah, and I think um, I actually recently closed a loan for a gentleman who had had a couple of credit blips, and when I asked him, we we always have to get. A written explanation and mm. I figured based on the timing because it's not like it was spread out over a long period of time so I knew that it had something there was a specific event that happened and he said well he said we ended up losing a couple of they had a manufacturing company he said we ended up losing a number of customers he said and instead of laying off my staff because I've had them for so long and they're like family he said, I didn't want to lay them off. Mm. He said, so my wife and I ended up taking the hit. They didn't take payments. They weren't making wow. timely payments on the bills that they had because they didn't want to get rid of their, get rid of any of their staff. And unfortunately, I think that it taught him a lesson because he realized that if anything, he would need to do that in the future or perhaps reduce his staff's hours because they weren't losing their job, but at least by cutting their hours back a little bit, it actually made a difference with the cash flow to help them get through. That will help him going forward to get through any lean times that he has. That is a huge lesson because some people might not, they might look at entrepreneurship as this giant glamorous thing where in reality, you have to make some really hard decisions. Yes. Right. And I mean, that just, I kind of put myself in that person's shoes and I'm like I don't, that would be so hard yeah. it would crush me yeah. yeah and that's why the more entrepreneurs you talk to the, the the better able you are to be prepared for your own business even 
if it's not, and like, you can't always listen to relatives or people who don't know anything about entrepreneurship because they'll say, you know what you really ought to do? Well, you yeah. really ought to do. They, they, they tell you you should be selling whatever it is you're not selling. That's so fun. And my question is always, well, you know, sometimes people have really good advice, but where is it coming from? If it's right. never been somebody who's been in um, an entrepreneurial business or run their own business, but so somebody who's giving advice for someone who's run a successful business for a long time, that's someone worth listening to because oh, yeah. they've got something to say. Mm -hmm. And of course, I have to say, um, if you have rich relatives, that certainly gives you a big leg up. <laughs> Honestly, and this is, I'm joking, but Where like- Where are you at, rich relatives? <laughs> I, I don't have any rich relatives, <laughs> but I, I would say that um, sometimes people think, oh, these certain things were overnight successes or whatever, <laughs> and it's like, uh, no, they actually came from a really rich family. Their parents put up the money for the, you know, so. We're on the opposite spectrum of that. People say overnight success and they didn't see the, the 15 years no, of hard work. Exactly. They just happened like exactly. this in front of their eyes. So like overnight success. Right, right, right. Exactly. I, I guess you got to just like really not listen to a, a lot of people as an entrepreneur. Oh, you have to be able to sort of say, you know, thanks very much or oh that's, that's great thanks yeah. for that awesome or, no that's not really helpful but um it's because it looks easy like and the other thing is all these television shows now about business and mm. shark oh, reality yeah. shows. all everyone's these reality shows everyone's an expert on on buying and flipping houses you cannot believe how many people have come into me and said oh i, I want to flip houses and it's like okay well you know, what are your skill sets and what are you, well, I've I don't been watching HGTV what? for five years now. Have you ever seen that show, Flipping Vegas? Yeah, it's like, you know, they yeah. think that. And, and meanwhile, people I know who have worked on that kind of stuff tells me they have huge crews of people that come in there and renovate those shows. Right. All the dollar amounts that they put in are wildly, oh, yeah. wildly underestimated. So some of those TV shows are just they should call it unreality TV because yeah. it's not. Most of them are staged. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it's to sell product, oh, yeah. you know. But and it content. gives people the idea that it's easy. Yep. In 30 minutes, yep. you can make $100,000 by <laughs> buying this old wreck of a business. And the other thing is, a lot of that stuff is ne it's never shot in New England or in the Boston area. No. Where we have extremely high expenses oh, for yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. So like, oh yeah, so I, oh, oh, I, was, I have this little tiny house that I bought. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> where are you gonna put it? Because even a tiny lot in Massachusetts is hundreds of, of thousands of yeah. dollars. So that's part of it is selective advice from fellow entrepreneurs or from people who really know the industry you're in. That's important. I listen to everybody, but I take it with a grain of salt. Like, you know, a lot of the people like you're saying, five years from retirement trying to tell me how to run my business and most of them have turned from okay you're gonna sell that to just tell me more about yeah. that you yeah. know within like three years of doing this and it's right. like yeah right. told you yeah <laughs> it's well. it's it's easy to not be a believer if you've never been in the system of entrepreneurship and small right. business ownership it's it's not easy. It's not yeah. built for everybody. And, but I think that's why you have to listen selectively to people who actually yep. have something to offer to you um, who are in business. You know, having your own sort of kitchen cabinet of, of people you really rely on mm -hmm. who you will give you good advice because they're not, they're not out to make anything off of you. They're just trusted advisors. And then tune out. Everyone who's trying to sell you something, or the begrudges, or the oh, just tune them up. We've we've had our, our fair share of people trying to sell us on things and, and using the guise of trying to help us out financially or whatever in order to sell a product to us, and it's 
It's definitely not fun <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at all. Um, but I'm don't you think you've grown as business owners since you first started? I mean, to think 100. about how you even as friends and people that communicate, like, now. it, it yeah. made it easier. Like you know, like we're able. We kind of have this communication thing, and Andrew and I do, where we like we'll we'll sit through a meeting and then we'll talk about it immediately after, and then we won't talk about it for like a day or two. And then but revisit? We'll revisit it. Yeah. So it's like we slept on it for a night or a couple of nights, and it's like, okay, how do you feel now? Still the same? All right. Because yeah. your perspective can change. Yeah. Like after that meeting, we were just like, oh, I don't think we want to work with this person. We're like, oh, let's just wait. A couple of days later, we're like, I really don't want to work with this person. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it, yeah. it happens. Like sometimes you just get, you get vibes where you're like, okay, this person's, it sounded sincere, but there was something just not right about it. And you're mm-hmm. kind of like, maybe it was just, being um, cautious, so we wait it out, and then something else happens, and it's just like, yep. smack the tape, there it is, there it is, it's not gonna happen, let's move on, let's mm-hmm. keep going. Well, trust but verify, as I say. Mm, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely, this has been such an amazing podcast, it's actually been about an hour already. That oh, great, so well, let me go, we have to take a break. Yeah, so I snuck behind the camera, because we have your angles, so I snuck back there and, and reset the cameras while you were, yeah. It was such great flow. So it just, <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt it. I didn't want to say stop or anything. Well, we always have a lot to talk about. Yeah, it, sure. Keep talking because seriously, I'm sure you've helped so many entrepreneurs and small business owners. And by talking more, you're only going to keep helping more and more people. And that's why I'm, my mind was immediately like, oh, we need to record that session because they're literally like, come to our free workshop. We'll give you free value that you can live your life off of and build a business off of and you know we could get that to even more people so every time instead of driving by seed be like what is that i know seed i saw them i'm gonna go in and see laurie yeah (laughs) even if they say hi like you're gonna get visits like hey you helped my son go from being playing video games 24 7 to turn it into a business (laughs) oh quick good story can Mm -hmm. i yeah so i just closed a loan uh, a month and a half ago for a livery service Mm. and they're located in rhode island so i went through the whole process sitting at the closing table for the loan and i gave the client my business card because i hadn't i had not met her before it was a husband and wife team Mm -hmm. and she saw my card and she said oh my god seed and i said yeah i mean i've been working with you for a while now she said you gave my father financing many years ago and he ended up winning your we give an award every year at our annual meeting he ended up winning the small business of the year award he said i remember going to the dinner she said we were just thrilled because i mean it's a room full of maybe 300 people oh, yeah, it's a big and he got this this award for being the small business of the year she said i can't wow. believe it i'm getting financing from you now and she left the closing i mean it, i wasn't her father's lender because it was yeah. a long time ago wow. but uh yeah that was so cool and then yeah, she like left the closing it, yeah like and so went and talk, she wow. called her dad up on the phone she said you're not going to believe this i got and he actually ended up picking up the phone and calling my executive director and yeah okay. it was cool that's such a yeah. full circle yeah, moment. Cool. Like you've literally helped a, a whole family. Whole generation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it'll probably keep trickling down, you know, if, if Well, entrepreneurship does run in families. Yeah. It's no no yeah. question about that because yeah. they're used to taking risks. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me pl- put the plug in Mass Small Business Development Center. Throw it into Google, get you to us. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, we'll we'll put links and everything. Yeah, free help for you know, and it's um 
it's fun because yeah. every day is different and you're it's, helping people's it's, dreams come true. Absolutely, absolutely. Either that or you're stopping them from making a bad mistake. Actually, I've helped people Saving make, them. I've yeah. saved people from making really big mistakes. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's not captured on anywhere on our sort of deliverables, but it's surely captured on my job satisfaction when somebody wants to take all their money out of a 401k to go into something extremely risky that they have no experience in. And you could say, I never say don't do it. I say, let's work through. Mm. And then when they get partly through, they see, whoa, mm -hmm. whoa. So yeah. what I try to do is lead them to make that decision themselves. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm not trying to. <laughs> Some people are probably like, no, I'm taking this money. I'm no, doing it. you know, if, if they're intent on doing it, then they are. But yeah. I, I actually think most people, they just are trying to figure out what to do in that yep. case. And yep. so, I mean, they may still want to take the money to start a business, um, but maybe not that particular business. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just level out the risk. Kind of bring it down a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or get something it. that's closer to their expertise. Yeah. Right? Um, I think yeah. that's important, too. So Absolutely. technical assistance, financing. Yep. Yeah. Thanks the for coming team. to talk to us. Thank yeah. you so yeah. much for meeting with us. Right. This it's has been, been such an honor. And thank you guys for watching. You know where to reach them. We'll have all the links uh, below. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. You have such a good voice for radio. Like oh, you have like a... Thanks. Um, don't you think? Somebody came to see me once that one. You know Delilah? Be... You're like a male Delilah. What is that? Oh, yeah. She's that. She's that. <laughs> you know what? When I was driving home from school, no, I would hear her. She does a... You don't know Delilah? <laughs> she does she's a, a very well-known. She does a syndicate. She does a syndicate.